This episode is dedicated to Allie Marie and all you beautiful people out there who are trying to stay afloat. Thank you for making the decision to spend a little time with me. Keeping company with you uplifts me and calls forth my best effort. This podcast is a moral two-way street, and I'm honored you deliberately press play on this special episode. I do not take your time or my words lightly, so thank you for being a positive influence in helping others get up strong. This is the CC Way, episode 13, Keep Swimming, an episode on grief. The most beautiful people are those that have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have still found their way out of the depths. These people have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee, and I'm a family man, a friend, thinker, guardian, and a peaceful warrior with an open mind and an unconquerable soul. Epictetus, who I did um, an episode early on called The Art of Living, reminds us that spiritual progress is made through confronting death and calamity. He says, instead of averting your eyes from the painful events of life, look at them squarely and contemplate them often. By facing the realities of death, loss, and disappointment, you free yourself of the illusions and false hopes, and you avoid miserable and envious thoughts. As you think, so you become. He also said, nothing can truly be taken from us. Every difficulty in life presents us with an opportunity to turn inward and to invoke our own submerged inner resources. The trials we endure can and should introduce us to our strengths. We all possess strength. We have strength we don't even realize we have. There are a lot of people out there that have helped me find my own strength, but it's not other people that heal us. It's us. It's you. You do. You are your own soul's doctor, and hopefully this episode will reveal something within you to yourself as it has done for me. And this quote that I opened up with was from Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She was born in 1926 and passed away in 2004, and she was a Swiss-American psychiatrist and uh, a pioneer in near-death studies and the author of the book on death and dying and what the dying have to teach doctors, nurses, clergy, and their own families. And it's a book from 1969. Again, it's called On Death and Dying. And who was she? She, she began her career, um, or as she began her career, she was appalled by the, the hospital treatment of patients in the U.S. and who were dying. And she began giving a series of lectures featuring terminally ill patients and forcing medical students to face people who were dying. Uh, uh, Dr. Kubler-Ross encouraged the hospice care movement, uh, believing that euthanasia prevents people from completing their unfinished business. And it was there that she first discovered her theory of the five stages of grief, also known as the Kubler-Ross model. She later expanded her model to include many, um, any form of 
personal loss, such as a death of a loved one, the loss of a job or income, major rejection, the end of a relationship or divorce, drug addiction, incarceration, you name it. You know, even the onset of a disease, infertur- excuse me, infertility diagnosis, and even minor losses such as loss of insurance coverage or, or a pet, which in my opinion isn't a minor loss. We all lose our pets and we know how much it hurts. So a little note on this book, and I feel like it's something, a little note about the book. I feel like it, it's something I should have known about years ago, uh, given my interest in appreciation and gratitude for, for health, you know, and you always hear me say health is wealth. Um, I have an appreciation and gratitude for life and the gifts we all possess. And maybe it was brought up in my, my conversation with Traver Bohm. And if you guys don't know, I did an earlier episode with Traver and learned a lot from him. And one of the things that I learned from him is how important it is to spend time with people in hospice. Uh, one of my dear friends, um, Anna, who I'm going to have on the show um, soon, is a, a emergency uh, medical doctor. And this book on death and dying is part of um, their studies, especially in, in medical school. She still has the book. So when she comes on, we're going to talk about it. So this book is out there. Um, I did some studying in it. I haven't read the book yet, so a little disclaimer there. But I started learning about the stages of grief that are listed in the book, and I'm going to go over those. And before I begin, it should be noted that these are not linear and are something that she regretted not clarifying earlier in her career. Uh, I also want you to know that I'm sharing these because I think it is important to show emotional connection between us all and the love we share. So again, not in any particular order, but this is the way it is listed and and the way I'm going to share it. So the first one is denial. The first reaction is denial. In this stage, individuals believe the diagnosis is somehow mistaken and cling to a false preferable reality. That's denial. The second one is anger. When the individual recognizes that denial cannot continue, they become frustrated, especially at the proximate individuals. Certain psychological responses of a person undergoing this phase would be, why me, it's not fair, how can this happen to me, who is to blame, why would this happen? Um, Again, a little side note, as I'm going over these stages of grief, uh, I'm sure that you guys will be able to recognize which emotion that you're in or have been in. And just as, if not more important, how you can use these and recognize these in other people that are close to you in your life. And the second one here, anger, uh, the one that pops up is what my mom is going through and more on that later. But as I'm, as I'm reviewing it, um, my mom is stuck in anger. Uh, The third one is bargaining, and that involves the hope that the individual can avoid a cause of grief. Usually, the negotiation for an extended life is made in exchange for a reformed lifestyle. People facing less serious trauma can bargain or seek compromise. For example, I'd give anything to have him or her back, or if only he'd come back to life, I promise to be a better person. That's bargaining. Fourth is depression. I'm so sad 
Why bother with anything? I'm going to die soon, so what's the point? I miss my loved one. Why go on? During the fourth stage, the individual despairs at the recognition of their mortality. In this state, the individual may become silent, refuse visitors, and spend much of the time mournful and sullen. And the fifth one is acceptance. It's going to be okay. I can't fight it. I may as well prepare for it. In this last stage, individuals embrace mortality and inevitably, or uh, an inevitable future, or that of a loved one or other tragic event. People dying may precede the survivors in this state, which typically typically becomes uh, comes with a calm, retrospective view for the individual and uh, a stable condition of emotions. Now, again, these stages are meant to assist and help define feelings people are having. They are not meant as a way to predict or label the feelings we have. Grief is a difficult emotion. And I hope by sharing this, someone out there might have a little more internal light than they did before. To you, I say, it's okay to hurt. You deserve it. You earned that ability. Speaking of which, a little bit more uh, on my mom. You know, she's been grieving so hard since my dad passed. And it's actually part of the reason, well, two parts. One, why the this particular episode has been delayed and why the podcast episodes have been delayed in general. Um, because of her current status, we've all... Um, you know, come down, if you're lucky enough to make it towards the end of your life, you start to kind of regress in certain um, qualities of life and able to take care of yourself. And so me having been to this point in my life, I have the ability to take care of my mom. And so that is what I've been doing. And that is why the podcast has been delayed a little bit. It's not the only reason, but it's certainly part of it. So I want to, I want to communicate that with everybody. Uh, I also... What's coming up in a couple seconds here is something that I shared with my mom because I saw the grief that she was going through and it's something I wanted to share with her. And so I read it with her and it helped for a certain amount of time and hopefully uh, by sharing it with you guys, um, I can help provide some strength and, and some love. As humans... We go through the best and worst parts of our life. If we are fortunate enough, we have some friends to help us along the way. Sometimes those friends know when to hold us up and when to let us fall so we can learn how to stand back up on our own. Because when we do stand, we come back stronger than before. We might be dinged up, have some scratches, bleed, but those heal and form the scars of life we are lucky to have. And a very close friend of mine, one who fits the mold I just discussed, sent me something that resonated with me. It is part of what inspired me to do this episode. It's right at the peak, probably the number one reason, and I'll get to that in a second. But he and I have been through the balance of life together as it relates to light and dark, life and death. We have experienced life and death at the same time as if one was passing the baton to the other. Our stories are unique, but the struggle is universal. After reading this, um, 
I knew I had to share it with others because I feel it may help someone out there as it has helped us. This might help someone change the way they approach life and death or some other type of circumstance that have caused grief. Because of that feeling, I could not resist doing this episode any longer. So this is an excerpt of a post that came up on Reddit uh, a few years back. There is the the title of the post followed by one of the responses. My friend just died. I don't know what to do. Here's a response. I'm old. What that means is I've survived so far. A lot of people I've known and loved did not. I've lost friends, best friends, acquaintances, coworkers, grandparents, mom, relatives, teachers, mentors, students, neighbors, and a host of other folks. I have no children and I can't imagine the pain it must be to lose a child, but here's my two cents. I wish I could say you get used to people dying, but I never did. I don't want to. It tears a hole through me whenever somebody I love dies, no matter the circumstances. But I don't want it to not matter. I don't want it to be something that just passes. My scars are a testament to the love and the relationship I had for and with that person. And if the scar is deep, so was the love. So be it. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are a testament that I can love deeply and live deeply and be cut or even gouged and that I can heal and continue to live and continue to love. And the scar tissue is stronger than the original flesh ever was. Scars are a testament to life. Scars are only ugly to people who can't see. As for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float, stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe. You can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything. And the wave comes crashing. But in between the waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you find that the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. And you can see them coming, an anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. 
And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will again come out the other side. Soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of wreckage. But you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming. And somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive them. And other waves will come too, and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you have lots of scars and lots of loves. And lots of shipwrecks. So you see, life is not a guarantee, nor is it a right. We are here temporarily on this planet. We are the lucky ones that get to experience the ride of life. Parts of the ride can hurt, but those moments create character and strength. Progress is made through holding up your shield, grabbing the shipwreck, confronting the painful events, looking at them squarely and facing the realities of loss, death, and disappointments. And be proud of the pain. Feel the pain because you can. And be proud of your scars. Those scars, those strike marks, are the the battle wounds of life that makes us who we are. That's actually why the Sisue logo has strike marks and scratches in it. We are the lucky ones who have the ability, the gift, to hurt. So earn your scars, pick up your shield, get up strong, and keep swimming. Dr. Kubler-Roskin said that, she said, I believe that we are solely responsible for our choices, and we have to accept the consequences of every deed, word, and thought throughout our lifetime. We need to teach the next generation of children from day one that they are responsible for their lives. Mankind's greatest gift, also its greatest curse, is that we have free choice. We can make our choices built from love or from fear. And to my boys, a poem by Chief Tecumseh. So live your life that the fear of death can never enter your heart. Trouble no one about their religion, respect others in their view, and demand that they respect yours. Love your life, perfect your life, beautify all things in your life. Seek to make your life long and its purpose in the service of your people. Prepare a noble death song for the day when you go over the great divide. Always give a word or a sign of salute when meeting or passing a friend, even a stranger, when in a lonely place. Show respect to all people and grovel to none. When you arise in the morning, give thanks for the food and for the joy of living. If you see no reason for giving thanks, the fault lies only in yourself. Abuse no one and no thing. For abuse turns the wise ones to fools and robs the spirit of its vision. When it comes your time to die, be not like those hearts are filled with fear of death. So that when their time comes, they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. Sing your death song and die like a hero going home. And with that, I'm going to conclude this episode. Remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. 
You are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. Get up strong and be uncomfortable. <laughs>